Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Josh Neighbors here. This is the Neighborhood Watch. Today's show, Loser Corner. We talk about what happened to UCF. We talk about what happened to the other losers on the weekend. Who's off the hook for their losses, but who has some questions to answer. Before we get into that conversation about conference realignment, some folks have been asking me some questions about Oregon State and Washington State, and so I want to put some things out there into the ether. We're going to talk about that today. Once again, Neighborhood Watch, I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. We are on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. You guys can like the video and subscribe to the channel. That's the best way to support our show. Make sure you guys find us wherever you guys get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. If you guys cannot watch the podcast, that's the best way to support us. Five-star rating there. Follow us on Twitter at NWPod365, at Josh Neighbors underscore on X slash Twitter. That's where I post my Big 12 best bets. Last week, three and two overall, 16 and 11 on the season. So we're having a good year so far. ATS against the spread, making you all some money. So we're going to talk about the losers today in the Big 12. The better story is usually in the losers locker room. But I want to talk about some conference realignment stuff first, and specifically Oregon State and Washington State and what's happening with them, what's real, what's not. And I want you all to know this, that I have covered the Big 12, and I, uh, you know, conference realignment by extension. But starting with the Big 12, I have been covering that for, uh, let's see, three years, over three years, right? It'll be four years in January. I, I've been covering it since 2020. Um, so, you know, like third, four year, whatever, like my fourth year doing it. But I did it for Sirius XM. I did it for Locked On Big 12. I do it here for the 365 Network and the Neighborhood Watch and Crystal Ball College Football. Um, I have done it in a variety of ways uh, covering this league, and I've done a lot of conference realignment coverage. And when I have done that coverage, I've been very intentional about the way that I put information because it's not mine. Any information I have presented um, that is actual information, I present by giving credit uh, to Dennis Dodd, to Nicole Auerbach, to Ross Dellinger, uh, to those folks, Brett McMurphy, et cetera, right? Those folks that we know we can trust on this matter. And I brought people on, such as Andrew Marshan. I brought John Wilner on, right? John Wilner, a bit more optimistic about the Pac-12. That's what he covers. But a lot of his reporting, for the most part, has been you know, well-researched and well-thought-out and sourced and whatnot, okay? So when it's been about that, I've always said I am not a journalist. I am not a newsmaker uh, or a newsbreaker, I guess you could say. I analyze the news. I kind of use the context, right? A lot of the Pac-12, Big 12 stuff. I was saying, well, you know, the clock's ticking and the Big 12 is putting pressure on. Obviously, it's clear the, the schools in the Pac-12 want to stay, right? But the, the clock is ticking, right? And as things got further along, my inference was the inference of many others saying, well, look, you might get a high-risk, high-reward offer from Apple, but the safe money is in the big 12. And so that's, you know, that happened. And I'm not saying I predicted it to happen. It just, that's what made sense to me at the time. Pac-12 honestly tried to give it a run and try to get the thing back together. But in the end of the day, the big 10 came in and said, you know what? We want Oregon and Washington. The price is right right now. And the rest 
is history. So, you know, with all of that, right? Like it, it was, it was not that, in my opinion, not that hard to do. And it was really interesting to talk about each day to see how it developed. And I appreciate you all for being along for that journey. The one issue I'm having now is that a lot of folks, you know, have commented stuff. They have texted me. They've DM'd me um, about, you know, comments about a show I used to be on and some stuff that was said, you know, on that show. And I'm not here to, I'm really not here to disparage anybody. I just want to say this, like, it's really important to be careful about where you get your information from. When it comes to this, guys, there are folks who have cultivated years and years and years of sources and years and years of journalism and know what they're doing. And they don't always get it right. But typically, it's not the folks on YouTube who are breaking the news. Okay. And so when I hear about, you know, Oregon State, Washington State to the Big 12 and a conversation about that or them getting $300 million from the college football playoff, uh, it's, it's hard not to laugh at it a little bit because... Here's what I'll tell you guys, like from those folks who have nailed the conference realignment stuff, the Pete Dambles of the world, the Brett McMurphy's of the world, that's in the Ross Dellinger's of the world, that's not been reported anywhere, right? That's not been reported. And usually you can, t and, 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 you know, Andrew Marshan, even another guy who said, hey, Colorado is the one to watch. Guess what, Andrew? You were right. Colorado was the first school to go. Obviously, Andrew's contacts in the television space probably knew that, you know, Colorado was the most amenable. And hey, turns out they were the most amenable to joining the Big 12 Conference. So you have to be wary of where the reporting is, where it's coming from, who is saying it, and making sure it's sources that like we know that we can trust. And a lot of times yeah, we can trust those folks. They don't always get everything correct. But uh, the idea that the Big 12 is, the Big 12 is not discuss adding those schools. The television networks, for what it's worth, like they don't seem to be too keen on adding those schools, right? And so when you think about that, like why would the Big 12 add them? I made the argument, I made a show a few weeks ago talking about, all right, could they win their way in, right? The Big 12 got a longer TV contract at the Fox. They got the extension of Fox because according to the Sports Business Journal, Fox really liked the competitive nature of the Big 12 conference. And then... So you think about that, okay, well, if you had Oregon and Washington, you know, in a year like this, let's just say OU and Texas weren't in the league, it'd be nice to have schools like that because guess what? They'd be two of the better teams in the league. Totally true, right? Then comes the issue of, okay, well, that's great, but what do they bring to the league? Are they bringing a large television market? Are they bringing in money? Do the TV networks value those schools? And the answer is seemingly no, or at least not enough, Right. Uh, and not in a way where they, and they're, look, guys, they're running the show now. I mean, think about it like this. The Big Ten added Oregon and Washington, and not all the Big Ten presidents were on board with adding Oregon and Washington. Well, what happened? Who made the final call? Who do you think made the final call? Fox. Fox said, that's not a price that we can turn down. Add them. Right? Hey, we're paying you X amount of dollars. Add those schools. They help you out. We get you some better brands. It gets us some better brands to put on TV. We will all win with this type of deal. And so they're running the show. And there is no indication from anybody that, that at least right now, that the Big 12 has desire. And to be honest, the way I've, I've heard it phrased to me, just from talking to some people, and I'm not saying I'm not reporting anything, but like, I think they're more apt to look eastward now and think about, okay, is the ACC, what's the next move for the ACC? And I don't think the ACC is about to dissolve tomorrow or anything along those lines, but I think it makes sense that they're thinking, all right, what's the next move? 
what does the SEC and Big Ten want there? And is there some potential for us to add some schools, maybe a Louisville, maybe a Pitt? You see what I mean with that, right? But I'm not hearing anything about Oregon State and Washington State. Also, too, I'd like to, to toss this out there. Oregon State and Washington State are currently in a battle because they want to maintain the IP of the Pac-12, right? They want to maintain the Pac-12 network. I think all the resources there. They want to maintain the, you know, the the uh, Pac-12 logo and all the things that come with that. And they want to retain that. And I think they want to kind of, you know, it might be the best case for them is to try to revive that. So I think that's what they're trying to do. And obviously in this court case, they want to be the ones calling the shots, making the decisions when it comes to what the actual future is. There is a fear there. I was reading from an NBC, uh, local NBC affiliate. Uh, the, the fear with that you know, situation is if the other Pac-12 schools, the outgoing ones, got their way, they might just shutter the league altogether. That is kind of the concern there, right? What I do not think is this. I do not think there is a shot in hell that the conference commissioners who run the college football playoff are going to allow Oregon State and Washington State to be their own conference and to get an automatic qualifier bid. Could you imagine a six and six scenario where six best ranked conference champions get in and you have six wild cards, whatever. Why would anybody allow a two team conference to submit a champion? I mean, it's just not fair. And I don't think it's something that would be allowed. Also too, like the amount of money that they can bring in guys, their NCAA tournament shares would be less. Their bowl shares, they can't fulfill bowl contracts. Like you have a bunch of bowl contracts. You can't fulfill those if you have two teams. That's why they want to backfill it and they want to try to structure it that way. That's why this is kind of like what happens here is interesting to see what it looks like. But a two-team standalone conference is not, at least in my understanding, that's not going to fly. Like that's absolutely not going to fly in terms of a college football playoff spot. Maybe as an at-large, maybe in like the Notre Dame sense they could get in. But it's going to depend on who is actually in their schedule. Who are they challenging, them, challenging themselves up against? So I think all that stuff matters when you think about like, all right, what's next for them? Because the idea that those two schools are going to sit there and collect a $320 million check because they've still got access to the CFP, they've accessed the bowl games. Like the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12, are, are that's done. Like that's done. There is no way, even if they try to fight them on that, the the Rose Bowl would like be like no, and, and if they had to get take legal action, they would be like this is not this is not what we agreed to. You know, us having to to fulfill this, and I don't know the, the you know legal like the writing and the and the contract, but obviously the the situations change. It'd be totally unfair to hold the Rose Bowl to the standard of that contract because they're not they're not getting the Pac-12 is not delivering what the contract stipulates you know like they're not delivering a quality product they're not delivering it's not in the spirit at all of what we're trying to accomplish here with the rose bowl game and also a lot of that's going to get folded into the college football playoff we know the rose bowl has agreed it took a little bit of time but they did agree so you know say what you want like, like we'll see what happens with this, this this legal fight and they're trying to hold on to the ip but they're not just going to get some fat payout because they're still a conference like a two-team conference why in the world, when you are restructuring college football, would you be like, yeah, let's give these teams an absorbent amount of money? It wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't, it, it would not be allowed to happen. Like, who would sign off on that? Who would sign off on the fairness of that? 
who would sign off on like our schools could be using that money, right? That money's still there. It's just, it should be distributed elsewhere. You can have a two-team conference getting paid with a 12-team conference who get paid. That would make absolutely zero sense. It, it just won't happen. I mean, guys, if that happens, like I, 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 I'm, my head would explode if those two schools were able to recoup like nine figures off of a, uh, the new television contract for the 12 team CFP, I, my head would explode if they were able to get that in. And I've not seen it reported anywhere. I know navigator had something or navigate, excuse me, navigate had something that, that folks were pointing to. I saw it on one of the shows, obviously locked on big 12. I saw it on there, but those numbers to my understanding were before that the, all these conferences broke up. And I looked it up today. I tried to see if there was newer numbers that might've reflected that situation. And I didn't see anything. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think you can project what's going to be made when you've got no idea how many teams are going to be in the league. So the reason why I wanted to say this guys is just like, we have to think logically about this. Okay. If you are not seeing anywhere, you're only seeing it on a place like YouTube, like you need to think about what it is. It actually is being told to you. And I, I would say the same thing if I ever said something you're hearing just for me, like I wouldn't trust it either. You know, I, I've got some ideas about some things. I mean, on-field stuff, sure, maybe. It's a whole different ball game, though. This is like off-field stuff that has that people who have cultivated years and years and years of sources have, and they're hired by incredibly reputable places. It's not people with a couple hundred Twitter followers or a couple thousand Twitter followers, whatever. Like, you know, I've got a couple thousand Twitter followers. It does not make me an authority on anything. Um, like, you know, in terms of like reporting and whatnot, I covered the big 12. I think I have a pretty good idea of, of the league. And, and I think I understand, you know, I, I have a good feel for football and basketball and I've worked with a lot of folks who have played both those sports at a high level. And I lean on them for knowledge. And I use my knowledge of the league that I've gained through the years of coverage of it to make the best opinions that I can. I use my inferences, all those kinds of things. But, you know, I just, I just want folks to be careful and just like, I'm not going to talk about much more with o the Oregon State and Washington State because there's been nothing. I mean, Bretman Murphy said it last week and, and, and he is rarely wrong when it comes to Big 12 things. He says there's no there there. All right. And I think that's like, that's kind of where I'd go with this. Uh, I'm not going to chase the clicks. You know, this, this is one of the last things that we're going to do until we get some kind of update when it comes to Oregon State and Washington State because the football is more interesting and there's no actual proof that, you know, like in terms of Big 12, you know, we'll talk about their future, but there's nothing out there that says, Oregon State and Washington State are joining this league. It's not been reported. I, in fact, the contrary has been reported. And at least right now, there's no there's no momentum for that. So I think we have to be thoughtful about what we're seeing out there because, you know, I, I'm disappointed when people pursue that. I mean, that, guys, look like the, the folks that I have on my show, like if I have Robbie or John Kurtz, you know, Robbie Triano or John Kurtz on my show, like we're not reporting. We're talking ball. We're talking about the league normally. We're talking about Brett Yormark. We're, we're, we're giving our thoughts about hey, you know, Spencer McLaughlin and I, same thing, like he's locked on Pac-12. And, you know, we're, we're talking about these things in, in, in those terms. Um, we're not you, we're not reporting anything. It's not what we do. And uh, like, I'm sure that the Washington State and Oregon State might have a chance of recouping some cash, but I, I don't know with them recouping cash, like in the Pac-12 name, why would they, why would they then go to the Big 12? Like, can you bring over some cameras and, and some IP from the Pac-12 network? Like, how does that help the Big 12 at all? Um, and also, if they can get that much money, why would they distribute it to other members of like when they can just take it themselves? So there's a lot to consider there. I just I just want folks to be careful. Like, we have to have an honest conversation about Oregon State, Washington State. They're probably not coming to the Big 12. 
Uh, I mean, it feels pretty confident at this point that they're not coming to the league. It was a fun exercise to be like, could they win their way in? And if they made a college ball playoff final, like I think it's something that you have to revisit with an ESPN or a Fox, right? If, if uh, Wazoo TCU's it, something that should be revisited. Sure. Totally. Yeah. You know, that's how Cincinnati made their way up. But uh, at least at this point, it's not something that, that appears is going to happen. All right, so let's do. Let's talk about uh, winners and losers. First of all, guys, we do this off the hook as first. So who is off the hook this week in the Big 12 Conference? I'll tell you all this. Kansas, Iowa State, and Cincinnati are the three. Now, like, I don't think this group is really a bunch of teams should be let off the hook. KU should, guys. The fact that game was close, credit to them for hanging in there. The Jalen Daniels thing is really sad, and I think we'll get an update on that as the week goes along, but it sounds like he's just battling uh, you know, it's just a, a nagging back injury, which if you've had back issues, you know how tough that is. Iowa State, they got thumped by Oklahoma, but all things considered, I'm, I mean, it is what it is with, with that team. Like they did have the, the crap they went through at the beginning of the season. And honestly, I think Rocco Beck is getting a little bit better. Like I, I, I think he has improved. I think their offense is getting better. I mean, there's still just a deficit personnel wise. And that game was fun for a second. Then it wasn't. Cincinnati, um, they have some decent players in some spots. They can run the ball pretty well. Emory Jones is not good, and they're not good at finishing drives. They make a lot of mistakes, and they're they're just they're not good like in the areas where it really matters, right? I mean, they almost let Pittsburgh back in the game. They were really impressive in that game. Uh, you know, you think like I think this. I think Scott Satterfield is actually going to do a pretty good job. I just think it's a slower build than, than what we're seeing right now. You lose to Miami of Ohio. 31-24, you lose to uh, Oklahoma 20-6, you lose to BYU 35-27. I mean, you're losing different kinds of games. Like, you're not better in the margins. And I know Emory Jones threw for three touchdowns in that game, but, like, they had to, you know, they scored, what, 17 points in the second half of that game, and he made some mistakes early in the game. I think he did a pick six. Um, and he's a leading rush in this game, too. So, like, he played well, but, like, it, it doesn't feel like I'm depending on him all the time, Right. Uh, it's not the guy you want quarterbacking your team. I mean, hell, if you're Oklahoma State, maybe you would. And once again, their offense was not bad, but Cincinnati's losing a game where they outgained BYU by 200 yards on the road. Like, you have to think, all right, what went wrong there? You definitely committed more penalties. You definitely had, you had two, the two turnovers, right? So, like, you, you lost to a more opportunistic team, uh, and you outplayed them in a lot of ways, but you were trailing them most of the second half, you know, once they flipped that game around. So, yeah, like Cincy kind of off the hook in some ways, kind of not off the hook in others because it's a tough environment to go to, and I don't know if that team's that good. So that's why they're a half and half. All right, let's let's talk about who is on who is absolutely on the hook. And uh, first of all, though, before we get to that, well, to kind of introduce what we're about to do here, Dusty Rhodes. Kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Computer took your place. That's hard times. So <clears throat> UCF is the number one team. UCF, what happened uh, is what we're going to talk about right here. So UCF blows the lead to Baylor, right? That game was flipped on its head. And the one thing I think all of these teams are going to have to learn how to do is uh, these newer teams is like how to put teams away, right? Uh, and how to be consistent. Because they can have moments, but when you're not playing Navy followed by ECU uh, and your big games are Tulane and Tulane's amazing, but like, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, it's week by week. Like you, 
BYU is a good example, right? They played Arkansas in non-con. They played Kansas on the road and they played Cincinnati at home. And they're playing all these, you know, they're four and one too, but like it's, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're grinding right now. Like actually their team has done a decent job of it, but like they, um, you know, they're winning. They're actually the one team that's winning despite outplaying people. It's the AAC teams that are having issues. Cincinnati, obviously we, we mentioned their uneven performances. Houston is on this list as well. They have had a bunch of uneven performances, whether it be game to game or within the same game. And UCF, uh, their game against K State, I'm not too upset about this one though. Like K, T, uh, UCF's played like let's say 20 minutes of bad football the last two games, and they've played you know T, they played uh, K State and then obviously Baylor, but like those 20 minutes have been really bad. Right, like K State put it on them in a second, even though it was a close game for a hot minute, and then obviously you had the game last week with the comeback, and uh, it just they were they were they lost focus. They clearly lost focus. They were not as physical in the second half. They got pushed around. The bad snap was like a complete just tomfoolery happening there. And when you have a backup quarterback and you're also you're playing teams like Baylor, like Baylor's not that talented compared to other Baylor teams, but they still have guys like Monterey ball when they still have guys like Richard Reese, they still, Blake Shapin's in my opinion, you know, like I, they, they felt a little bit different. Even in the beginning of the game getting smoked, it still felt like he gave them a different dimension and made them a little bit better. And Gus Malzahn, the good thing is he knows how to win. UCF has the playmakers to do it. You know, I just kind of question the lines of scrimmage and whatnot. And like, if they can improve those in those places and on defense too, it's a big thing for them. They have to get better on defense. Their defense in the second halves has not been very good. The last couple of games, so clear things to work on, which I think is good news of knowing what your weaknesses are. And uh, I actually even think still with McLean, like he's, he's a player. So they're not, they're not in a terrible spot. And this week they've got Kansas on the road. So there's a chance they end up being three and three, but I think they could go to KU and win this game. You know, if, if they finish, if they, if they play four quarters like they did last week, they've got a really good shot at winning. I don't think they will. I would not take a team like that on the road against Kansas. And I know Kansas collapsed, but even with Jason Bean, I still feel like that KU team is good enough. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I would still take KU in that situation. So they're number one UCF because you blow a historic lead. I don't think it's like the end of the world and still their first year in a new conference. Like you can do things like that, but they're kind of learning on the fly here. And also the thing is the losses can stack up. They're at KU. They're at West or at Oklahoma. Then they have West Virginia guys. Like, like there's a chance UCF could end up being, three and four, but, and I know Plumlee has gone, but I don't know if John Rice Plumlee being gone is like such a massive market drop down to McLean. I don't know. Even when, you know, UCF fans are trying to tell me like he's a pretty good player. So number two, TCU. Okay. Um, something is off with this team because TCU has the better roster than West Virginia, but West Virginia just TCU'd them in that game. Like West Virginia wanted all the smoke. West Virginia won on the margins. West Virginia was the tougher team in that game. And uh, something happened in that second half offense for TCU. They just, West Virginia's defense deserves a lot of credit, but the personnel they had out there, like they were losing guys left and right. That shouldn't, that shouldn't look like the way it did. Like TCU should be able to take advantage of that a bit more. I don't know what's up, but Chandler Morris was not very effective in that second half of the game. Uh, their running game was not as good as it normally is. And I also still think, too, the receivers hit some big plays in the first half, but this receiving core is not good enough. 
it's not good enough. And now you lost a bunch of guys. I mean, you you know, you lose Tay Barber, you lose Quentin Johnston, you lose Darius Davis, you lose obviously a Kendra Miller in there too. You lose Max Duggan. It's like, I know there's going to be some drop off, right? Uh, you, you know that that is going to be uh, the situation for you. But even with that being said, like this team did restock a decent amount of talent. They were ranked at the preseason. I thought it could have been fraudulent, uh, a little bit fraudulent. But like on defense, like they should be better. They should be able to, you know, to win these these kinds of games. And West Virginia was able to move the ball a little bit on them in that second half. Um, you know, I, I don't think defense is the reason why they lost the game, but still, like four point seven yards per carry is not that's that's effective running the football. So TCU's got some issues. It's just not all flowing at the same time. It feels like against Houston, it was. I think they can put away lesser, lesser competition, but like if it's close, it just doesn't feel like they're, you know, they're, does it feels like they're not squeaking out the wins this year and they need to fix that. Um, they need to, I, I don't know how exactly they do because they've got, they've got some veteran players on this team. I mean, Jared Wiley's a veteran. Taylor Morris hasn't played a lot, but he's been around, obviously. Monty Bailey has been around, obviously. JP Richardson's been around, right? Savion Williams has played enough too. So, They've got guys that have got some experience. They've got to figure out what it is that they need to do to, you know, because I, I mean, I still think like if you're going to ask me to pick a fourth team that can make a run of the Big 12 title, it's TCU. They still only have one loss. Iowa State this week, then they're home for BYU at K State at Texas Tech. So, uh, you know, I think that it's going to be a, a situation where they might go two and two in that stretch, but I think they can go three and one, even though they're challenging games. I just wouldn't pick them to right now because they're not firing on all cylinders. And I mean, even three fourths of the cylinders, I would say they're not firing on Houston. Uh, they're the last team guys. We can uh, Houston. You cannot, cannot like bang it out in the first half and then just absolutely lay an egg in the second half, get shut out. I mean, you know, there was, they lost 14, nothing. So it wasn't like defense was terrible. But like that was not particularly competitive. It felt like in that second half. And uh, I know Donovan Smith was awesome in the first, but man, things got a little bit harder for them in that second half. You go and look uh, how things went drive wise for them. The second half, 27 yards, punt 47 yards, downs 12 yards, punt minus five yards, punt minus nine yards, punt and then 32 yards. End of game. Like this is not a good Texas tech defense. Credit them for making some adjustments, but Dana Holgerson's basically got the dead man walking thing going. Uh, this team is inconsistent. It feels like within gate, like the TCU game, they got dog walked. They were getting killed by rice at one point, right after the UTSA game. And so they get two games back to back at home. Now they get West Virginia at home. They have a bye week. Uh, they, so they have, um, or excuse me, they have a bye then Thursday night against West Virginia. Then they have uh, Saturday, 21st, they've got Texas. So it's actually nice. They're going to get a lot of time to prepare. We'll see how ready they are. But, I mean, they're not a team that feels like they'll shock Texas at this point in time, right? And I, I mean, a bowl game for them feels like it's, they've got, what, two wins right now? They're going to need to split West Virginia and Texas to get to three wins and four losses. And um, then they're going to need, you know, UCF, Oklahoma State, uh, um, Cincinnati, like those are winnable games, but also you've got at K State at Baylor. So, like, it feels like a five is what I picked them to. They can still get there, but it just feels like this team is not, it, it's kind of like not even ability thing. Like, they need to be more consistent because they don't have the talent that everybody else has, 
but it's like their coach is not good enough to make them a consistent team. So that's where I'm at with them. And so these teams, uh, you know, UCF and TCU should be able to get themselves off the hard times ledger. Uh, Houston, I think you might have, you know, you might be off the hook a few times because, hey, look, like you, you should lose some of these games. But, uh, you know, it feels like we're going to see them a, a few more times. All right, folks, fun show today. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at L, uh, at NWPod365, at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show where we get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. All right, folks, we will talk at you all tomorrow. Big 12 Power Rankings coming your way.